Hello and welcome to I Really Wish You Hadn't. This is a podcast about people and businesses that have made horrible mistakes, have fallen apart at the seams, or have just been generally awful since their inception. They're the kind of people and businesses that make you think, man, I really wish you hadn't. Welcome back to I Really Wish You Hadn't. I'm Michael Bentley, and I'm here with Cayman McMahon and our producer, Colin Moore. This week, we're discussing John McAfee. If you don't already know, John McAfee is the creator of the McAfee antivirus software. And if you're unfamiliar with McAfee antivirus, it's the program on your computer that keeps annoying you with updates and slowing your computer to a crawl. But this isn't the story of the McAfee company. This is the story of the man that started the company, John McAfee. His story is one of riches and ruin, sex and drugs, cash and cryptocurrency, and even a murder. You might want to strap in for this one because it gets weird. Yeah, it gets dark a few times. Yeah, that's an understatement. (laughs) That is an understatement. This is a little little bit more intense than Blockbuster for sure. I'm going to be honest, Cayman. I was reading this and a couple times I was like, do we really want to do this episode? Like, do we want to, do we want to, I was a little bit afraid. I was like, is there a chance? Michael, the people have the right to know. Is there a chance John McAfee sends people after us for this? Oh yeah, no, that is a very real concern. Did, did, did you also have that thought? Like, yes. yes, I've been like, I was like, man, I probably shouldn't say anything bad. Do I want to talk McAfee. trash about John McAfee? Like, <laughs> Interestingly enough, do you know where John McAfee well, where his house is now. He's not there yes, right now. Yes, he just posts it online. Like, he but posts videos. Lexington, Tennessee. Really? You're going to dox John? Well, I mean, I guess I'm, he doxes himself. Dox, he doxes himself, and I'm going to dox myself. That's my neck of the woods. He's he's an hour away from me. He could drive to me in an hour. Well, it's not just Lexington. I know his actual home address. It's yeah. in his videos. He, like, prominently posts his home address, and I'm just like, and and then immediately he's like, the government knows everything about, I made him Alex Jones for some reason. Um, <laughs> I like it. I'm going to keep fair. it. The government yeah. knows everything about us, and they're 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 watching us through through the cell phones and the, and the internet. If you know enough about John McAfee to be interested in where he lives at all, you know not to go there. Not yeah. <laughs> you do not want to go up to John McAfee's house. Well, and then the next thing he shows is he's like, here's my head of security. He's the scariest guy I know. They're just walking around on his front yard with guns, like constantly. <laughs> well, no, yeah, and that's what it shows is he's like, this is the scariest guy I know. And then it cuts to the guy, and he's just like, quick draws his pistol right into the camera. <laughs> To be fair, he says that about every head of security. That's true. He said the same thing about, like, his head of security in Belize, so... I feel like we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah, we are. Let's let's get into the facts. We're explaining a lot. I feel like this is almost a spoiler for where this heads. <laughs> okay. let's, let's, let's just get into it. Starting from the very beginning, John McAfee was conceived. <laughs> <laughs> his parents did it. So, yeah, John McAfee born September 18th, 1945 in the UK to an English mother and American father. His father was an abusive alcoholic who killed himself when John was only 15 years old. He was taking drugs and drinking from a very early age, but still excelled in school. He received his bachelor's degree in mathematics from Roanoke College in 1967. 
He was later accepted in the Northeast State Louisiana College for his PhD in mathematics. However, his degree was terminated because of his unacceptable sexual behavior. So early on, he's, he becomes an exceptional programmer, which leads him to find employment at many companies. I have a list here. First job, NASA Institute for Space Studies in New York City as a programmer. That's in 1968. Univac, he was a software designer in the early 70s. Xerox, he was at in the mid-70s. Computer Sciences Corporation, he was a software consultant in 1978. Booz Allen Hamilton was 80 to 82. Omex was in 83, but he was actually fired from Omex because his alcohol and drug abuse problem had gotten out of hand. So around this time, he joins AA, sobers up. His next job, immediately after that, Lockheed Martin. So if you don't know who Lockheed Martin is, Lockheed Martin is the world's largest defense contractor. So he worked there on a classified voice recognition program. This is where he was working when he first heard of a computer virus, which was likely the Elk Cloner, which was written around 1982. It really was just a program that rewrote itself and rewrote itself and rewrote itself, taking up a bunch of space on the computer. And he figured out how to beat that. And then he left Lockheed Martin to start his own company. And the company that he started is called McAfee Associates, which is literally him traveling around in a Winnebago making house calls, fixing different viruses, different computer problems that people were having. And it's at this point that he realizes that most of this work can be automated. So he writes a program called Virus Scan, and this is the earliest adaptation of the McAfee antivirus software that we know today. What's special about VirusScan is that it was one of the first shareware programs. And if you're not familiar with shareware, it's exactly what it sounds like. It was distributed through the internet for free. And the idea was that you built up this following of people using your program and people would share it through floppy disks or the internet through online bulletin boards or CompuServe, which is definitely going to be at least mentioned in an episode in the future. CompuServe was kind of the early predecessor to AOL. Oh, I had no idea what CompuServe was. Interesting. But here's what's great about CompuServe, is you can go to CompuServe.com, and I highly encourage you do this right now if you're listening. Uh, well, you say that, and you know I'm going to do it. I know, it's great. <laughs> so it is a straight-up 90s website that is still being updated. CompuServe is oh. now owned by Verizon. Okay, you see you see what I'm talking about? <laughs> but do you notice it's all like Tesla and the Trump administration? Like it's all modern news stories, but in the format of a 90s website. Is that not like, it causes this cognitive dissonance that I, I love. I love it so much. The top three things that I see are Bernie Sanders... Mm -hmm. Joaquin Phoenix and yep. China coronavirus. Yes. And but it's in this format of like just pure HTML like garbage. Oh. I love oh. it. I love it so much. It's my new homepage. I, I ooh, okay, yeah. <laughs> Continue. Anyway, that was a tangent. So we shared it through CompuServe, he shared it through these online bulletin boards, so it spread quickly. And so he soon became a household name in cybersecurity. I say household name, really, the problem was not many people knew that much about the idea of cybersecurity. Nobody really knew that their computer could get sick. And so to combat that, John McAfee founded the Computer Virus Industry Association and acted as its chairman. Now, what this association did is mostly did interviews, 
John McAfee was known for talking to the media anytime there was a big virus that spread around. It was mostly a puff piece, like, oh, this thing is going to wipe your hard drive. And things didn't really spread that bad. There was something called the stoner virus that popped up this little message that said, your computer's been stoned, and it would, it would slow down your computer. It was mostly a novelty. People didn't really worry about it. That was until Australians discovered the Michelangelo virus. This was a virus that would completely wipe a drive if the machine was powered on on March 6th, which happened to be Michelangelo's birthday, which is why it was known as the Michelangelo virus. But I would like to point out, <laughs> it is also Shaquille O'Neal's birthday. And because of this, I will not be referring to this as the Michelangelo virus. This will be known exclusively as the Shaq attack. <laughs> Download uh, McAfee or you're going to get the Shaq attack. Get the Mac for the Shack Attack. Dude, I could have been their marketing guy. You could have. This was also the year, this was 1992. This was also the year that Shaq joined the Magic. So I get, he was a rookie in this year and he technically, he technically had not started yet, but they should have had the foresight to see this guy was a star. Also, how many other people share that birthday? There's a bunch. (laughs) I scrolled through the Wikipedia page (laughs) and I found Shaq and I was like, Shack it is. We're doing the Shack attack. The Shack attack has a ring to it. Anyway, moving on. The problem with this virus is it completely wiped your drive, which also eliminated the virus. So it was a very bad computer virus. It's really dumb. But the thing is, for some reason, whether it be the marketing of Michelangelo's birthday or whatever, the media latched on. And so they reached out to John McAfee, the chairman of the Computer Virus Industry Association, for comment. And they said, what do you think the impact's going to be? Again, this was probably a puff piece that they were just going to throw in there to fill up space. Yeah. And he said, well, you know, we're looking at anywhere from 50,000 computers to 5 million computers. The media latched onto this 5 million number. And they said, oh, 5 million computers affected by the Michelangelo virus. Shack attack. And articles started running, like, your computer's infected, you need to do all these things. There was an article describing precautions you could take to protect yourself from the virus, and all the big names were included. Norton, Untouchable, Central Point, and my personal favorite, Dr. Solomon's Antivirus Toolkit. (laughs) But all of these had a phone number and a, a dollar value that you would have to provide in order to get their software. Right. But in the next paragraph, they said, or you can get McAfee antivirus, which you can get through what we talked about before, CompuServe, online bulletin boards, and it was shareware. So it was completely free for for the individuals. Uh, And the way they made their money was corporations obviously had to pay licensing fees. And I think that they asked individuals to pay a registration fee. It was one of those like WinRAR things where you didn't have to, but you could. And they encouraged it. Yeah. And this was huge for them because all these people getting the Michelangelo or, you know, fearing the Michelangelo virus were going out and getting McAfee because it was free. Right. Then March 6th hits and everybody hunkers down and awaits the coming apocalypse that, as we all know, never, never comes. Mm -hmm. And then on March 7th, looking at the aftermath, only about 10,000 to 20,000 cases were actually reported. Okay. Okay. On March 7th, the Associated Press ran a story calling the virus a dud. But they also reported that McAfee was now the largest seller of antivirus programs. And when asked if he overstated the numbers, John McAfee said it was simply because of 
precautions that people took to protect themselves from the virus that it wasn't as bad as it could have been. This was the first that people really heard of computer viruses. And this was the first case where people saw a threat to their own well-being. McAfee reported a huge boost in business, and riding that wave, they went public in 1993. Numbers aren't exact. There was one place that I saw that reported an exact figure of $42 million raised. A different publication said over $50 million raised. Let's just say they made quite a bit of money on their IPO. It's not bad. But then the media decided to speculate. And guys, I'm going to need you to get your tinfoil hats and put it firmly on your head because we're going to get into some uh, conspiracy territory. That's that's the tinfoil hat going on. It is is now applied. I'm ready. Rad. So the media decided to paint the picture that John McAfee had intentionally overstated the impact of the Michelangelo virus. Could you work a Alex Jones impersonation into this since we are doing conspiracy theory? All right, guys, look, John McAfee is the one who benefits from everybody getting all in a row from hearing about. (laughs) I have a bad Alex Jones impression. (laughs) No, it was good. It was good. I liked it. All right, guys, look, who benefits the most from hearing that there's a virus that is going to infect your computer? John McAfee. (laughs) The man has worked for Lockheed Martin, a known instigator of war. We also know that he has the technical expertise to write such a virus. And does anybody know who wrote the Michelangelo virus? No, they do not. And I think it's because of Hillary Clinton. (laughs) It's good. Interestingly enough, John McAfee has been on InfoWars. Has he really? Yeah. No way. Yep. Okay. Uh, It's good. That's rad. Of course. He's batshit insane. You got to go on the batshit insane show. And I'm saying that, don't kill me, John McAfee. <laughs> or or Alex Jones. <laughs> yeah, please. I I live in an apartment. <laughs> Why would you say that? I live in an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> what does that mean? <laughs> it means, dude, you can't. <laughs> You've limited it down. You now, now, now they can skip all the houses. <laughs> Just apartments in a one-hour range. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you you've pretty much have the amount of Maybe I'm throwing them off. Maybe I do have a house. Oh wow. Oh wow. Who knows? I learned that little trick from John McAfee. You throw them off. Anyway, we'll we'll get there. In 1994, John McAfee resigned from the company that he had created. Some say he wanted to just take a paycheck and get out the door. Others say that he was asked to step down after the media ran with the idea that he had overinflated the numbers intentionally in an attempt to sell more software. Either way, he walked away with an estimated $100 million. Cayman, what did he do with that $100 million? Funny you should ask. First, he starts with a little company called Pow Wow. Now, tell me, Michael, do you like social media? Not really. <laughs> Do most Should people I say like yes? So- yeah, say Should yes. I say yes? Yes, say yes. I love social media, Cameron. <laughs> I get on it every day. So, depending on how you look at it, Pow Wow was really one of the first true social networks. Pow Wow was a company which you founded in 1994, which was the first internet message chat program for Windows. And the company that he owned that created it was called Tribal Voice. So essentially, it worked as, you know, an instant messenger like today. One unique thing about it is as someone was typing, you could actually see if they hit backspace. 
So like, Wait, as, as someone was Hold typing, on. yeah, you could see as they like, you saw the message as they typed it out. So you literally saw, like, if I typed like, hey, came, like, you would see it as I was typing every letter. Yes. That's, I don't like that. Yeah, I don't like that either. <laughs> I, I backspace a lot. Then that eliminates the point of the backspace. <laughs> it does. It does. At first, the company described itself on its website as a Native American company run by Native Americans. I looked into that. I found no proof. Apparently, they eventually got away from that claim, but that was a claim that existed at one point. This is the Elizabeth Warren of companies. <laughs> oh, that's edgy. That's real edgy. <laughs> Sorry, I, I, I really don't want this episode to get political, but I know it's going to later, so I'm just going to go ahead and break that seal. Okay, okay. Tribal Voice Software was acquired by CMG Lawn, in the late 1990s and ceased development shortly after. Then McAfee gets into yoga. So, Michael, you were telling me earlier that you bought a John McAfee book. What was the name of that book? I did buy a John McAfee book, and I'm really excited for it to show up. Hold on, I'm going to have to take a deep breath for this one. The name of the book is <gasps> Computer Viruses, Works, Data Diddlers, Killer Programs, and Other Threats to Your System. What they are, how they work, and how to defend your PC, Mac, or mainframe. Now, would you like me to read the titles of his other four books? More than anything in this world. <laughs> okay. The Secret of the Yamas, A Spiritual Guide to Yoga. The Fabric of Self, Meditations on Vanity and Love. Beyond the Siddhas, Supernatural Powers in the Sutras of Patanjali, and Into the Heart of Truth. The Spirit of Relational Yoga. So, <laughs> John McAfee goes on this, I hate to call his life tangents, but he goes on this weird tangent in 2000. After making a fortune, McAfee bought an expansive estate in Woodland Park, Colorado. Here, he held intensive retreats in relational yoga, which is something that he created himself. Like I said, he's released multiple books, and he actually has a DVD on yoga that you can go watch about this. And it's strange, because he looks like a surfer guy, and he's very calm, talking about like inner self, inner peace. So he released multiple books, like I said, and a few DVDs. You can actually go watch John McAfee talk about yoga and the inner self and like spiritual healing. It's very strange, especially when you look at who he is today and who he becomes shortly after making this. But we'll get into that. So after he gets bored with the whole yoga thing, which I might add later, he goes back and says that all of his books were bullshit. <laughs> he then starts getting into aero trekking. Now, aero trekking, if you don't know, is essentially where you're in a glider with an engine on it. He buys 157 acres of land in Rodeo, New Mexico. Now, what I don't understand is how he thought that he was going to make any money on this. Well, I don't think that it was about making money at this point. I think he honestly just, he saw this as retirement. Honestly, like he built his company. He was making all these investments. He, like at this point, he was building fun for himself. His money was working for him in his mind. And he was just building stuff that he could have fun with. That's fair. And also around this time, he's doing a lot with real estate. So he's buying up land, selling it. Obviously, this is very popular in 2006, 2007, making a lot of money on it. Yeah, so 
so talking about that that New Mexico estate, and you you got into this a little bit, but he was investing eleven and a half million dollars in this property, and he built. And again, I'm gonna have to take a deep breath for this one. He built. A general store, a cafe, a movie theater, several hangars, a home for himself, two guest houses, a swimming pool, and a collection of vintage cars for guests to use while they were there. Why vintage cars? Uh, who? That's the thing, is like, he was living the rich life that a poor person pictures a rich person living. <laughs> On November 1st, 2006, an ultralight piloted by Joel Bateau with Robert Gilson aboard as a passenger, crashed and it killed them both. Now, Joel Bateau, the one flying the aircraft, was McAfee's nephew, age 22. He didn't have a real license. He was very inexperienced with maybe like, and this is not confirmed, but supposedly around like 60-some hours of flight time. I tried to find how much flight time he had, but that did not really come up. I couldn't get a great source on it. So, very inexperienced regardless. This, of course, starts a lawsuit from the family of Robert Gilson saying that it's wrongful death, that, you know, this man didn't have a flying license, uh, he had no right to be flying this aircraft that killed their family. And so, to avoid lawsuits, John McAfee decides to start looking at property in the Caribbean. His idea is that if he leaves the country, people are less likely to sue him because getting money from someone outside the country creates a lot more legal cost. At this point, again, he's facing that wrongful death suit, and also someone is suing him because they tripped on his New Mexico property. So he's facing two lawsuits right now. He doesn't want to face more. He just wants to go to the Caribbean and live out the rest of his life. He also wants to go to somewhere that's a lot cheaper to live, because by this point, the New York Times is reporting that He's now worth about $4 million, down from his $100 million that he was worth in the 90s. So John McAfee starts selling his properties. As we previously mentioned, he had that New Mexico property that he invested $11.5 million in, which auctions for a little over $1 million. Not great. Cayman also mentioned the Colorado estate, where he did a lot of yoga classes. He invested $25 million in that estate, and it sold for a little under $6 million. John McAfee doesn't like reporting how much wealth he actually has. John McAfee also just doesn't like telling the truth. Yes, uh, he, he makes his own truths. There is a lot of speculation that he was possibly funneling money into offshore accounts in Belize at this point. Another great reason why he went down there. So possibly he was worth more than that $4 million, or he reported that he was worth $4 million. He either does a great job of weaving the truth in the media to benefit himself, or he does a way of taking what's said in the media and pretending like he planted that. So it's really hard to tell, especially when it comes to his finances, how much he's worth at any point in time. Yeah. And the other problem is he really leaned on his financial advisors at this time, who encouraged him to buy bank bonds with Lehman Brothers Bank, who was one of the biggest... Oh, yeah. I really don't want to say victims of the 2008 uh, financial crisis, because victim implies that they weren't partially responsible. Oh, yeah. But basically, they Lehman Brothers Bank is probably an episode in our future, so put a pin in that. But he bought a bunch of bonds that ended up being essentially worthless. And that was also not a great place to put his money. 
And just to kind of sum up John McAfee's thoughts on this entire debacle, uh, I'd like to read a quote from the New York Times. Cayman, I think you're, I think you're really going to like this one. Mm-hmm. Whoa, my cash is gone. <laughs> Wait, like that was John McAfee? Yeah, that was John McAfee. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Whoa, my cash. <laughs> Whoa. <laughs> Okay, that's a great quote, New York Times. That's some good journalism. (laughs) Yeah, thank you. Thank you, New York Times, for that one. That's a gem. Anyway, moving on. A lot of my next information comes from a fantastic Wired article. They basically sat down with John McAfee in Belize and talked to him about what happened next. And I highly encourage everyone to go read it. I loved reading it, and there's a lot of rabbit holes that you can go down with this story. I'm going to give the highlights, but go check out that Wired article from 2012. Anyway, so John McAfee claims that he quote-unquote retired to Belize in 2008 to avoid lawsuits, as we previously mentioned. He quickly acclimated to the new country with taking a great interest in Mayan culture and the ruins that were there. He describes going to a Mayan ruin and having his tour guide describe the way that they would make sacrifices and have the blood run down the stairs, and that resonated with him. Oh, good. Good that that resonates with you. Well, and that's the thing, is like, (sighs) I've never really thought much about Heart of Darkness, which was a thing that I had to read in high school by Joseph Conrad, and it talks about how a man loses his mind when he goes into the jungle and, like, gets back with his primal instincts. That is literally what happened to John McAfee. He goes out to the jungle and he's like, and I'm gonna find my true self. You know what? I actually saw a, it was like a news piece that was going on John McAfee and he's driving a boat back to what would become his forest compound. I didn't even think about it at the time, but as he's driving, cause it's pretty dense brush, he's driving through these trees and he goes, and up here we get into some real heart of darkness shit. And I didn't even think about that being so, oh my God. I didn't just... see that. That's great. I'm glad that I made a literary illusion that yeah. actually... <laughs> Made sense. Yeah, no, that was good. That was good. Awesome. All right. But no, like, that's what it is, is like, he's this technological guy who goes into the into the jungle and like completely changes his personality because he feels at home with the primal instinct. Like, I'm not saying that that's what happened. I'm saying that's how he views what happened. Oh, John, 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 John. So and I'd like to read a quote again from that Wired article. This is this is John McAfee. There's an opportunity to see something about human nature that you... Why, why do I keep doing Alex Jones? Because <laughs> it goes to Alex Jones? Okay, John McAfee's now Alex Jones. Okay. It's Alex Jones. Okay. There's an opportunity to see something about human nature that you can't see in polite society. Because the purpose of society is to mask ourselves from each other. Now, we'll point out that is not what John McAfee sounds like, but not at all. That was a horrible impression. I've been practicing and that is not what I've been practicing, but that is what comes out every single time. Hey, practice makes perfect. So stick it out with us, baby. So anyway, he sees he sees this as a removal from polite society and and the opportunity for him to become what he truly is. We don't want what you truly are, John McAfee. We, the world doesn't need that. And it's so weird because up till this point, he's like the arrow trekking, the yoga, like 
he was portraying himself as like a straight up early 2000s like surfer dude exactly like the 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 modern day like silicon valley like i'm gonna do yoga i'm gonna fly in the sky man and then he goes down to to uh belize and he's just like i am a kingpin (laughs) i run this thing maybe a drug lord Eh, (laughs) we'll get into that we'll get into that he he did do a lot of drugs Allegedly. 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 I would like to include the word allegedly to protect myself legally. So anyway, John McAfee starts doing steroids nightly. He proceeds to break off a 12-year relationship in favor of starting a new relationship with a 16-year-old sex worker. Good. Good, good, good. Who happened to try to kill him in the middle of the night to steal all of his money, but the shot missed. John McAfee woke up and was like, she locked herself in a bathroom. Okay. And she's like, are you going to try to kill me now? And he was like, nah, I'm going to build you a house. And so he built her a house. What? 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 He built her her a house in the village of Carmelita. Mm. And he also saw the town of Carmelita as his new project. It was a very poor town. There was very little in the way of infrastructure. And as the way that John describes it is he saw it as the Old West. And it grew to become that not only did he see it as the Old West, but he saw himself as the new sheriff in town. Oh, yep. So he literally builds a jail in the village. And he arms his own police force with M16s, boots, pepper spray, stun guns, and batons. And some people could say that this was a bribe. Not that we're necessarily saying that. Because around this time, he also donates a $1 million boat to the country's Coast Guard. To Belize's Coast Guard. Yeah. Like, completely outfitted um, for Garden Coast. (laughs) So, I don't know how you spend $1 million on on a... Essentially police boat, but okay. It's a yacht. It's a police yacht. (laughs) Okay. Yeah. It's also at this time that he believes that this tiny fishing town is also the center of a giant drug conspiracy that he's got to crack. Oh. So he starts bringing people in, like, small marijuana dealers and being like, where did you get your supply? (laughs) He was pulling people over in his own truck. Like, he pulled over a car and was like, what are you doing? And then it's like just a bunch of elderly people. Yeah, and uh, let's also keep in mind that he's got his own armed guards driving around this town in the backs of pickup trucks with guns (laughs) patrolling. Yeah. So needless to say, John McAfee is very paranoid at this point. He believes that people are always watching him at his house. He has this perception that drug kingpins, both illicit and legal, are watching him. Illicit drug dealers are afraid because he's coming after them. He's trying to stop the drug trade. And legal drug dealers, such as, and he names these companies, not me, I'm repeating him, Glaxo and Bayer are watching him because, and we don't, this is a whole tangent that we don't have time to get into. He's also started his own biochemical lab on his compound <laughs> with a actual doctorate student that is running the thing. He's trying to invent new medicines. He does develop a topical antibiotic. Wow, I didn't know that. I don't know if it works, but there's... He developed it. Hello, pictures of it, yeah. <laughs> yeah. 
So he is doing something there. But it's also around this time that his paranoia leads him to sit in rooms full of trash bags filled with cash and Viagra. Not sure what that's all about, but I guess those were his bug out bags. His paranoia becomes a self-fulfilling prophecy when Belizean officials become suspicious of his compound filled with armed guards. Oh, well, it's also, let's also not forget, around this time, he's getting real into doing bath salts. Yeah, but they don't know that. And you can't prove that. He said himself that he was getting real into bath salts. He said himself that he was refining bath salts. And he put up a bunch of pictures on his blog. Yeah, but okay, Cayman, if you if you had read the literature, if you had read, <laughs> if you'd read the literature, right. they think he has a meth lab. Because of his biochemical uh-huh. thing that he's got going on. It's, it's really suspicious. And he's been, he being John McAfee, has been posting on Russian drug forums talking about his experimentation with MDPV, which is the main ingredient in bath salts. It isn't bath salts, but for the sake of simplicity, we're just going to say bath salts. MDPV is in a lot of different drugs, and that's really what he was primarily experimenting with. We're just going to say bath salts. And MDPV, a.k.a. bath salts, is pretty much like meth, cocaine, and LSD mixed together. It gives you a ton of energy, but also a ton of delusions and hallucinations, and it will make you very paranoid. What do you believe, personally? Do you think that he was doing this MDPV? Oh, yeah. He was doing a shitload of bath salts. Yeah. Oh, yeah. Yeah. Absolutely. Yeah. Oh, yeah. He was all about it. I honestly think he was all about it. Absolutely. Anyway... So the Belizean officials believe that he's running a meth lab. And so the gang suppression unit leads a raid on his compound. In it, they find no meth, no illegal drugs, just some weapons and ammo, which were unregistered, and McAfee spent a night in jail. But the next morning, he was released and all charges were dropped. Now, it's interesting that you say no illegal drugs, because according to the police, they, well, if you're taking them at their word, Uh, They did find a substance that had the properties of meth and cocaine, but it wasn't either of those, and it wasn't familiar to any substance that they knew of. What happened after that? After the GSU raids his compound, or I guess we should say his lab. Are we calling it his compound or his lab? I'm calling it his compound, absolutely. If you've got got a track of land that's being patrolled by armed guards, you now have a compound. (laughs) Okay, yeah. So after his compound is raided, he goes back to his house on the beach. It's like a nicer house. It's not some hut in the middle of nowhere. He's got neighbors now, uh, which poses a big problem to someone who's extremely paranoid and doing bath salts. So his neighbor, Gregory Fowl, had a big problem with McAfee and had a big problem with McAfee's dogs. See, McAfee had about nine or so dogs that ran around on the beach disturbing na- neighbors, and people got around on this beach by just walking up and down it. So, Fowl was someone that liked to walk to the local bar. Well, the local bar was on the other side of John McAfee's house. So, uh, Fowl had gone to McAfee, had asked him to, you know, kind of keep his dogs under control. John McAfee had apparently then pointed a gun at him, threatened his life. Fowl then goes to the local police and tells them about the dogs, makes a formal complaint, Nothing happens. Well, a few days later, John McAfee's dogs end up poisoned. John McAfee himself actually has to go and put down four of his own dogs. And then at this point, swears that he's going to get revenge. On November 11th, Gregory Fowl is found dead inside of his house. Now, while there's no proof, the evidence is somewhat, I don't want to say damning. Uh, It's not great. 
There was a documentary called Gringo on Showtime, which showed interviews with his housekeeper. McAfee's housekeeper says that he put $5,000 into someone's account that day on McAfee's orders. Although I'm not sure how uncommon this was, uh, because McAfee had a lot of people around his compound. He had a lot of sex workers. He had a lot of armed guards. He was constantly putting money into people's accounts, but $5,000 is a lot. It sounds like what you're posing right now is that the documentary you watched says that he hired a hitman to carry out this hit. Yes. So what I've been reading is that, so that 16-year-old sex worker that I mentioned earlier, Uh one of the dogs specifically she saw as hers, and she had talked to this Wired reporter and said, if you mess with my dog, you're going to get it, man. She also said... If he, meaning McAfee, had asked me to blow someone's brains out, I would. So, if there was someone who carried this out, the Wired article that I've been reading kind of points all the information leading back to her. And she, again, had already tried to kill McAfee once by shooting him in the head, but had missed. So, it's not crazy to think that she might have done it. What I'm saying is there's a lot of misinformation that's being spread around. You can take the evidence of what happened and paint it a lot of different ways. Yeah, certainly. And there's not and 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 even all the different ways that the media has been pointing it is all pointing back to McAfee. Yeah. I'm sure there's other ways you could paint it. Yeah, I mean, well, I, he's never been charged with anything. He's never actually exactly. formally been a suspect in the murder. He's been a person of interest. And my thing is a person of interest, yes. I'm not saying he didn't do it. What I'm saying is there's not enough evidence to point to any specific person or any specific motive. Someone died, and that's a tragedy, but we don't know what happened. Okay, so there was some DNA collected from this crime scene. Unfortunately, Belize does not have a way to process DNA. They don't have any DNA labs. So only about 6% of murders are actually solved. So of course nothing happens, but the big thing here now is that John McAfee thinks that the police are coming for him. And they are seeking him out for questioning. So to escape the police, they did come to visit his house that day, and he supposedly hid himself in the sand, buried himself, and put a box on top of his head, and apparently no one ever thought to turn over the box or look for him. Oh, you didn't include the the quote? <laughs> no. The quote is it's something I I this isn't direct. I don't have it right in front of me, but it's something along the lines of it was very uncomfortable. <laughs> All great John McAfee quotes are four words or less. Whoa, my cash is gone. He goes on the run at this point all throughout Belize. No one really knows where he is for a while. But he's still reaching out to people. He's sending out emails. He's posting to a blog. He's getting interviews with every news source that he can. Things that he's setting up. In December 2012, or shortly there before, he has an interview with Vice. No one had any idea where John McAfee was. A lot of people believed that he was still in Belize. There was some talk that he was in Mexico. Vice posts a photo taken by one of the journalists accompanying McAfee that still has the EXIF geolocation metadata still attached. Obviously, from this, people can click on it, look up the data, and find that he is at a Guatemalan resort. This led to McAfee's arrest in Guatemala for entering the country illegally. He tries to seek asylum um, because they're talking about deporting him back to Belize. As all that litigation is going down, he's detained once more to be deported 
In order to give his lawyer more time to file appeals so that he can be extradited back to the U.S. instead of deported to Belize, he fakes a heart attack while in detention. This gets him just enough time, and eventually he is deported back to the U.S. instead of Belize. And this entire time that he was on the run, he was wanted for questioning. He was a person of interest. He was not a suspect in any way. So it's very, very suspicious looking. But of course, in John McAfee's paranoid brain, he thinks that everyone's out to get him. Well, just to, just to wrap all that up, not only does he does he think that the government's out to get him, he is under the belief that the government killed this guy in an attempt to frame him because he wasn't supportive of their corrupt government. Because he didn't give them enough money. Yeah. Well, supposedly... Even before his compound raid, a politician had come to John McAfee and requested that he donate $2 million to his campaign. John McAfee said no, because kind of one of those things like, if I give it to you, I'm going to have to start giving money to everyone. And then the raid happened shortly after. That's according to McAfee that that happened. So maybe there was a connection there. McAfee could be correct, but he's also high on bath salts. So it's hard to believe yeah. anything that he's saying. Allegedly. <laughs> he's allegedly high on bath salts. <laughs> oh, God, there's so many allegedly's with John McAfee. Anyway, moving on. Cayman, would you like to would you like to return to the safe harbor of talking about companies? Yes. Oh my god, yes. Let's forget about Belize, please. MGT, uh, who is a capital investment group who specializes in investing in fantasy sports and mobile games. The year is 2016. We're in early 2016. They've already sold off most of their assets, and they're essentially a completely visionless company. They don't really know what they are anymore. But the benefit of this company is they're still listed on the New York Stock Exchange. And so the head of MGT reaches out to John McAfee and says, Hey, why don't we start up a cybersecurity firm with you at the head, and we'll call it John McAfee Global Technologies Incorporated. Oh, and by the way, when John McAfee gets back to the U.S., he's immediately like a cybersecurity expert again. <laughs> like, anytime there's something cybersecurity. Oh, yeah, 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 yeah. Nothing has happened. Nothing has happened between 1994 <laughs> and today. Cybersecurity is exactly where it was when he left. The guy in charge of MGT goes to John McAfee, and this guy was known for being a pump and dumper. So what he would do is he would take a stock and find a way to artificially have it pump, which means like greatly increase the price and then dump, meaning, you know, sell off everything. So he thought, OK, I'll bring on John McAfee. We'll call it John McAfee Global Technologies Incorporated. I'll, I'll convince all these investors to invest all this money. The stock price will shoot up. I'll sell everything, it'll nosedive, and then I'll buy my shares back, and then we'll do it again. He had been doing this. Like, this was his plan. The business tactic known as market manipulation. <laughs> uh, yeah, the SEC loves that. Yeah. <laughs> so, anyway, they wanted to name it John McAfee Global Technologies Incorporated as a cybersecurity firm. Intel, who at this point owned McAfee. You guys remember when McAfee, when that word reminded you of like antivirus software? Yes, I remember that. They still own that. So so they say, hey, you can't name a new cybersecurity firm John McAfee Technology, blah, blah, blah. And they sue and they win and so they can't name it that. So anyway, they're still MGT and when they announce that, you know, they've got John McAfee on to start this new cybersecurity firm, 
their stock price goes from 37 cents within eight days. It's all the way up to $4.15. But that's kind of the height of it. And it starts to peter off once they realize, oh, like, this is this is the height of where it's going to go. And so the New York Stock Exchange sees this happening and they see like nothing happening with this company other than the fact that they've just announced John McAfee is going to be a part of it. And they announced that they're planning on delisting the stock. And at that point, the stock nosedives. So at this point, they're scrambling to figure out what they're going to do. McAfee's got all these ideas. He calls in the guy to be like, hey, you know, here's what we've got to do to have this work. And McAfee decides to change the direction of the company from cybersecurity to Bitcoin farming. Because McAfee's taking this huge interest in cryptocurrency. John McAfee becomes a spokesman for Bitcoin, saying in July of 2017 that if one Bitcoin is not worth $500,000 in the next three years, that he will eat his dick on national television. <laughs> yes. Yes. <laughs> this is great. I have the website pulled up right now called dickening.com. Dickening.com. <laughs> yes. Damn it, Cayman. I was getting there. I, I'm still in the glory on this one. Okay, but damn it, Cayman. You're, you're about to steal my goddamn thunder. <laughs> I want to. I want to. I've got notes. I've done my research. <laughs> okay. Stop it. Continue. Continue. In November of 2017, John McAfee doubled down saying if Bitcoin is not worth $1 million by the end of 2020, he will still eat his dick if he's wrong. Unfortunately, in January of 2020, John McAfee went on Twitter to announce that the entire stunt was a hoax to onboard new users to buy Bitcoin. Did you really want to see him do it? Yes, I would love to see John McAfee eat his own dick on national television. John McAfee, the way he makes money now is he essentially talks to people who are making altcoins, which are essentially things that are not in the mainstream of cryptocurrency, such as like the, the mainstream coins being Bitcoin, Bitcoin Cash, Ethereum. He'll, he'll pick out like a random altcoin and he'll start promoting it. Yeah. In exchange for a certain amount of that coin. And at one point he he was promoting a coin and they didn't want to pay him. And so he started trashing them in public saying like, oh, you think I can build up a coin? You've never seen me try to destroy a coin before. Like you're about to get the wrath of McAfee. Like he's <laughs> essentially doing all this cryptocurrency speculation using his own voice. People see him as a cryptocurrency expert, which does not exist. If you think there is a such thing as a cryptocurrency expert... Do not believe that. Cryptocurrency is built on no foundation. There is nothing backing it up. Ooh, getting controversial here. That's not controversial. Bitcoin <laughs> has no financial backing. It is literally worth what people value it at. It's like art. Art is not intrinsically worth anything, except at least art looks pretty. Bitcoins are just a value in a blockchain. It makes no sense. And earlier in this episode, you said you weren't going to get political. Shame, Michael. Shame. <laughs> no, well, I think we will get political because of some things that I think you're about to talk about. Oh, are you talking about John McAfee's involvement in politics? <laughs> oh, yes, I am. So, 2016, John McAfee tries to run for president. He originally runs with a candidate for the Cyber Party, a party that he himself founded. His entire platform is essentially built on the libertarian values, you know, like smaller government, keeping the government less involved more rights to the individual and then also 
beefing up cybersecurity because he says that there's a war that's been going on for years and the U.S. isn't, like, investing enough. So, originally, he's with the Cyber Party. December 2015, he reannounced his candidacy under the Libertarian Party, where he came in third. He is now running again in 2020. So, yeah, now you can visit his website. Have you seen the music videos? I've not seen the music video. Music videos. Videos. I've not seen the music videos. So there's uh, multiple music videos. One for that is the official campaign. One that just seems to be a song about John McAfee. And like it goes into detail about like Belize and like cryptocurrency. And obviously he's hyping himself up. McAfee now is claiming that he is wanted by the IRS for tax evasion. I would believe it. Although the IRS doesn't really claim that that's true. In January 2019, McAfee announced that he was on the run from U.S. authorities and living on a boat following a grand jury being convened to indict him, his wife, and some of his 2020 presidential campaign workers on tax-related charges. McAfee and some of his other members were arrested in Dominican Republic on suspicion of carrying high-caliber weapons and ammunition held for a few days. Supposedly, right now, he's in Havana, Cuba, and that's where he's still running his presidential campaign out of. Uh, Who knows, man? This is just, it's all over the place. He's definitely built up such a mystique around himself, which is kind of ridiculous when you consider the fact of how much he talks about privacy and how much he wants to keep his own privacy yeah it's again his whole life is this cognitive dissonance of saying one thing and being another one more thing i want to say on his 2020 presidential campaign when you're out there making your decision one take the information that we've given you you can vote for john mcafee if you want but just remember if the man can't keep his promise about eating his own dick on television Is he going to keep any of his campaign promises? (laughs) (sighs) You know what sucks the most about all this? What? Like, I've read everything, and, like, I know what John McAfee's about. Uh Uh-huh. And I refused to watch videos of him until, like, I really got my mental picture of him. And I was like, okay, this guy is a little unhinged. He... (laughs) You know, he's got, he's got issues. I, I've got problems with the person that he is, right? Yeah, you should. And then I watch him speak. And my God, if the man isn't charismatic. Like, I, I get uh. pulled in every time I listen to him. Like, the man makes a good point. Like, I see how he created what he did. I get it. Yeah. I, I, mm, because you don't know who he actually is. We don't know if he's actually done anything. So much is just built. That's the thing. He's he's surrounded himself in so much lies that at any point he can say like, oh, I was just joking about that or I was deceiving you. Well, I mean, you could easily paint the picture. He's a guy who got a lot of money, who decided to buy a bunch of stuff, start chasing pursuits, doing yoga, doing aero trekking, flying, you know, gliders with motors on them. Yeah. Who then was like, forget it. I'm just going to move down to the Caribbean and live the rest of my life out. And he goes down there and then he's like, I could do good. I can start a police force. I can, I can clean this place up. And then he kind of starts living out a cowboy fantasy where he's, he's cleaning the place up. And then he starts 
you know, getting these people that are against him being like, hey, man, you can't just walk in and be the police. Oh, yeah, and that's that's something else to say. Like, he tipped all of his taxi drivers, like, ridiculous amounts of money. People that worked for him building his compound, they made more than they could make doing anything else. He hired ex-convicts that couldn't get jobs because they'd been to pres- prison, like, 20-some times. He, he, he gave ex-cons new jobs gave them a new (laughs) lease on life what i'm saying is you can't say definite like you can't point to something and say like here's the problem with this being an episode is there's no point that i'm like this is where mcafee screwed up like the paranoia the drugs dude at any point if you're one hiring young women to have sex with you hiring like i'm not talking like young women i'm talking like 16 like these are girls and having a bunch of 16 17 year old girlfriends and you're also, and we can't definitively say that he's on drugs, but he said that he's on drugs. He later took it back. He rolled it back. Either his life is going bad because he's doing these things that he said that he did, and then he, like, backtracked on it, or his life is going bad because he's having to constantly, like, lie about things or change the story. Like, it's very clear that everything's not going great, and I say this, and he's definitely probably worth a lot more than I am. No, he definitely is. Oh, yeah, definitely. <laughs> there's, there's no doubt. There's no probably. What are you worth, like a buck fifty? Something like that. Um, well, yeah, it was hurtful. Uh, I drink LaCroix. <laughs> I drink LaCroix, Colin. I'm fancy. <laughs> I live in an apartment. <laughs> <laughs> or do I? Whatever's going on in John McAfee's life is that he's having to fake heart attacks to get out of Guatemalan prisons. It's probably a good sign that your life's not going great or exactly how you want it this guy is not like anyone else in this world uh, whether you see that as a good thing or a bad thing this guy seems to just make decisions on a whim whatever he's feeling that day whether it be yoga or becoming a kingpin whether that be a drug kingpin or just a kingpin and he has he has built fortunes he has lost fortunes uh, and he's built them back up again. So you could say that he's gone down at times and come back up. I think it's just a testament to what you can do with charisma. Like, I don't think he was the best technologically in his field. I don't think that he was, you know, the best at cryptocurrency. But when people believe that you are, that's almost enough. It's like once you do one great thing, you can do literally whatever else you want. John McAfee, give me a call. We're going to make this 2020 thing work. I'll only do it if he stays true on his promise to eat his own penis on television. All right, guys. Well, in in conclusion, I loved it. I loved every second of it, but my God. It was great to learn about. He is a interesting figure, but there's nothing to learn. There's nothing to learn from the story. Oh, no. No, there's all just conjecture. A complete conjecture. This was just storytelling time. Cayman, why don't you why don't you tell the people to ha- where they can find us? Reach out to us. We have social media on Instagram and on Twitter. Reach out to us on Twitter at IRWYH Podcast. Reach out to us on Instagram at I Really Wish You Hadn't. And if you have any comments, any suggestions for new shows, or just something you want to tell us, shoot us an email at podcast at I Really Wish You Hadn't.com. I Really Wish You Hadn't is hosted by me, Michael Bentley. 
and Cayman McMahon. We are produced by Colin Moore. Intro and outro music by Tax Story. Our cover art is by Nickator. Please remember to subscribe and rate us on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. And until next time, don't participate in tax evasion. You'll end up in a yacht in Cuba. Actually, wait, that kind of makes it sound appealing. Just file your taxes, people. And as always, don't do anything that I wouldn't do. Let's go.